Oh shit! I mean, sorry. Um, hello, Scotty. Sorry, I was just sipping my cappuccino. <laughs> well, well, well. Do you know what? It, you didn't sing, so cappuccino. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> That's so mean. Okay, just for that, I am going to sing. Scotty, I'm so sorry. I left you hanging, and I'm apologize for the wall to the wall from your head that was banging into it no hi scotty it's been a long time and this time it's my fault i let i let you down but i also uh, i received some love letters from two fractional listeners saying oh my god i've never had such a delightful vacation thank you <laughs> when, when you get people who write you to thank you for not doing a show you know you, you know you have peaked it's your absolute perfection of broadcasting uh um super super superiority oh uh, well yeah i mean you're right john you've just like you've been thinking that doing things like work are more important than speaking to me which i think is you know hard to believe but um you know uh, so we're just going to hope that you're going to totally make up for it today with with some sort of insight or some sharing that is just going to make people think, well, if that's what we get when we have to to wait for two weeks because John's a lazy ass or three weeks or whatever it is, uh, it's worth it. So, um, yeah, without further ado, what, what is it you would you know, first like to talk about today? Uh, actually, yeah, surprise, surprise. You thought you were going to catch me off guard. I actually have something I can talk about. Um uh, even though it's for an unreleased work, I can still talk about it in general. I have uh, a couple of things. First things, I want to talk about drag and drop on iOS. Now, uh, I know that you've implemented drag and drop for, for Mac OS um, as of high, and it's great, grand, and glorious. And truth be told, I've, I have not done it on iOS, mostly because, um, you know, it it it's it is great. It is glorious. It, it makes for a great mechanic. I think long presses on anything make for great things. I, I'm kind of a fan of context menus. We've had them in our app. The problem with it is, is that it's not at all discoverable. How would you intuitively know, hey, if I long press on this thing, I'll get some more options. Some people do, but pretty minuscule. You know, we had a context menu in, in our app some number of years ago, um, very in early days where you actually had to do a lot of custom work yourself and uh, it was considered a barnacle and it was actually removed um, just because it was like not, not enough people used it to justify the, the maintenance of the code. Um, fast forward many, many years later and Apple's APIs have gotten a lot better and I've had occasion to work with it um, and I would like to talk about that. Would you like to talk about that or hear about it, Scott A.? Nothing would please me more at this moment in time, John. Okay. So um, you may not know this, but I am a big fan of URLs, um, <laughs> which sounds very obvious. But, you know, we have pretty good support for, you know, URLs. And, and we, we, we kind of specifically refer to them as deep links because it's not just something to launch the Netflix app, but it's to net, launch the Netflix app and do something specific for it, to do a watch uh, to to watch from a specific point in time, to open up a title page, to you know add things to 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 your your my list, or to ask to be reminded, or to go to certain galleries, search terms, a whole number of things. We've had them in the app for the longest time, and they're kind of hidden gems. You know, on on the one hand, we use them regularly for testing because if you're doing automation testing and say I want to test something with this specific title at this specific moment, it's really convenient to to you know force you know create the URL open the app with a, a launch argument and get right to where you need to. 
Um, and I've been working on something that I can't really talk about yet. Um, but I had occasion to want to be able to make it take advantage of these URLs, which I've had. Um, and I've added some additional arguments for to them, which is very good because they basically signal saying that if you're asked to do this thing, if you look at these arguments, you kind of parse the URL and figure out who should handle this this URL. Um, you know, by parsing the URL itself and say, ah, you know what, I'm gonna, I, you know, I'm gonna handle it, and I want to do some stuff, and I can kind of, kind of <laughs> only go that far with it right now. Just do some stuff. But then the question comes in, like, how do you want to work with these URLs? And uh, you know, we have lots and lots of canvases, and the canvases do share the 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 fact that they you know, all use collection views. And uh, a collection view, you could, there are some APIs for for drag and drop. The first of which is is the the drag source. So basically, saying that you know if you do a long press in somewhere in a collection view, uh, these APIs will basically kind of figure out what your what your what the most reasonable thing that you're you're pressing in, um, and that's usually the you know collection view cell, the topmost outermost cell of where your finger is. Um, and then it will, you know, you you basically implement a delegate saying, would you like to prepare some items for for drag and drop, a drag source? And those, you know, the the, the things that you can put in a, you know, in the effectively what ends up in the pasteboard, but you're basically creating these kind of drag drag items. Um, and they basically can be anything, but a typical thing for Doom is a string and not just any string, but a particular URL. Um, and that's kind of nice because it, it allows you to, for instance, you know, long press on something and then you can effectively have URLs added to the pasteboard. And then if you continue the drag, what will end up happening is that you have to have some drag uh, drag target, um, drag destination. I can't remember the API name. Um, but anyway, um, and so you can drag and drop within your app and that's kind of cool. And of course, you can drag and drop to another app and that's also cool. Um, so I was really happy to see how much uh, how much easier the APIs have gotten, and I started doing some initial uh, work because I wanted to try. I have to tread carefully here. I wanted to basically try invoking URLs one after another, you know, really fast. And you know, you can automate that, but you can also kind of it, it did spark some ideas for things that I wanted to do in in, a, in a, another even future project that I can't even talk about because I'm just imagining it. The the, the one in the immediate application of it, I I I I can talk about it, just not with you. Uh, but anyway, but uh, <laughs> isn't that great? Yeah, but, but 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 you know, I did say that URLs are really great because they can drive behavior in their in your app, and and there are lots of creative things that you can do. And 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 as just a reminder, you know, you can have universal deep links, you know, HTTPS. Uh, or, you know, whatever, but you can also have app-specific URLs. So, you know, there's nflx colon slash slash, that's an app-specific URL. So the reason why, you know, you, you the, the, that, that universal links is that it's the whole idea about fallback. So you could have a URL that's, you know, HTTPS colon slash slash www.netflix.com slash title slash one, two, three, four, five, six, some video ID. And if you have, you know, minimally, there's always a web browser to open it. But Apple, you know, will basically say, well, uh, you as an app developer can say that I will register for, for URLs of this type, you know, with this scheme. And the, the, the most common scheme is HTTPS, but you can create your own schemes. You can have NFLX. And so if the app is, is, is installed and you were to paste NFLX colon slash slash in a browser somewhere or, you know, tap it in a, in a message or something like that, 
uh, and the app was installed, it would, the system would know about it and and open it for you. Now, those those URLs are not really shareable outside of it, so typically you do want to and have to use HTTP URLs because that's the common standard, but there are app-specific ones. And the other kind of thing to keep in mind is that the operating system has to kind of understand which URLs are supported, and that's something that's, you know, vigorously cached and, and done really at the, at the time the app is installed, and that's actually an important factor. So if you're doing debug of your app and your app does support an app-specific URL, that can be really helpful because um, there's another twist is that the, the configuration of mapping of HTTP URLs to your app uh, typically is only done for actual app releases. And debug releases have different identifiers. It's a little bit complicated, but um, that is something that, that's important to know. So anyway, I got to, to implementing something in the test so I could very, very easily you know, drag you know, one or more items and have URLs defining what I might want to do with these items put up in the pasteboard. And then you, you know, move your finger if you're still doing the drag, and then you release it over a view, or as you move it over a view, if that view kind of can support a, a drag destination, it implements a, a delicate method that says, sure, I can do that. And you're given an opportunity to look at the drag items and go through them and say, you know, can I, can I get at a, a drag item of this class? And or, you know, are there some things that would basically clue you in that the URL that that's in there or, or you know, the, any other aspect of a drag item? Is it something that you yourself, your view is interested in? So I do that. And that's nice is that, you know, you get that nice little green animation when you drop drag it over. Um, and it's great. And so, for instance, you know, any any of, of our civilian listeners can just kind of open up Apple you know, music, for example. And if you long press on, on any item, you know, a, a song on an album or whatever, uh, you can see that there are context menus that it gives it. But it also if you start to move your finger, it will then put it in as a drag item and then you can drop it in a number of different places on the, the actual within the app itself. Or you can minimize that app and, and put it into messages. Um, now, doing so on, on iPhone is, is kind of awkward in that most people, you know, it, 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 for, the, for the most part, on, on iPhone, you only have one application. It's full screen. You're focused on that. And so you don't really think that much about dragging to another destination, even though it's possible to do. On iPad, on the other hand, uh, you have it's pretty common to have multiple applications at once, and you may have them two that are running next to each other, one in split mode, so drag and drop between applications absolutely is a thing on I, on iPad. Um, so anyway, I was doing that experimentation. So that's what you know what I was doing. I can't say exactly why I was doing it, but I can also sh share some some hard earned lessons that I, that I got to. If you'd like to hear about them, Scott A. I think the lessons, John, are the valuable side, or no, the most valuable part of anything, because, you know, the fact that you could do something is great, but you learn by doing it even better. Yeah. So here's the interesting thing I found about the APIs is that um, you, you know, when you may, if you support a drag source, you kind of have to put something in there. You can't really kind of say, nah, just kidding, you know, and so that, that, that means that if you're going to implement it on, you know, on an entire collection view, which is, I think, is the more efficient way to do it. You know, you, the, 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 the protocol works on any UI view um, or subclass. And so, you know, you could do it within individual cells in a collection view. But then you, you know, the, the, the problem for doing that, I think, is it may be specific to what I'm doing it on. But in this particular case, it has to do, or, you know, a condition that exists while using the app that is is not all the time. 
you know, whereas like you, for instance, you, so the, the URLs that I would want to concoct would only be formed if a specific case is, is, is happening. However, there are general purpose URLs you could use to deep link to any, any item. So uh, the way I've, I've done it is I basically say, okay, as soon as somebody starts a drag session, um, uh, then I will put up a general purpose URL that represents that item. And if another condition is met, I will add some additional drag items uh, to the response that would, and then what happens is that you can have multiple drag items in there. Uh, and then, you know, each drag target or drag destination rather can decide if they care about it. And if they do, they'll take it. And if they don't, they won't. That's great. So it's, it's, it's really lovely. But that, that was the first thing that I had to do and kind of figuring out what would I put in there. Now, you could cheat. And the, the simplest thing you can do is to create a drag item that's just a string. It could be an empty string. And it would basically amount to nothing happening. But you don't really want to do that. I figured it'd be smart just to basically add a URL that represents each item. So that, you know, in, in this eventuality, you could long press on any item practically speaking, and let's say drag and drop it into a message, in which case I really would want to have a fully formed HTTP URL to represent that item, um, and, and that, would, that would work great. So that, that's what I did. Um, and But then drag destination, or dra yes, this is what hung me up a little bit because, you know, oftentimes you're, you, you know, how do you want to do something? So, of course, I go out and Google and I say, you know, implement drag drop iOS or something. I get some lay of the land, some articles, pointers to the, 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 the Apple documentation. And, of course, Apple's documentation will explain to you how you do something and may have some sample code. But what they oftentimes do not tell you um, is here's some things that you have to know. And one of the things that you have to know, and nowhere in Apple Docs is this, is that if you, you know, add a destination, a drag destination to your app, and let's say you're building and running on the simulator, the, apparently somewhere in Apple Landia, they have some caching that are going on. Because remember that drag and drop can run between multiple applications. So they have to maintain some, some database, you know, some cache that basically says, in this application, views of this class, I'm imagining how it works, are susceptible to drag. So if there's an event and it's covering and you hit test a view of that class, then it will say, you know, I need to invoke some delegate method and go about my merry way. That cache is only created on app install. So I implemented, and, and I did not know that, and it's nowhere in Apple's documentation. So I'm merrily, you know, coding this stuff, and I say, oh, this is really easy. The drag seems to work right away. And the reason why drag will work right away, because the source is Apple's class. So anything of UI collection view, absolutely. Anything of UI view is a drag, uh, a drag, you know, source. Barky is really saying, this segment is dragging. Hurry up, Fox. All right, so I'm getting to it. But the drag destination with custom classes in your class and in, in your application will not be in the ca in the cache. So I, you go and do it. Shit doesn't work. Shit doesn't work. You bang your head against the wall. Then you start searching on the internet. You know, drag destination iOS not working. <laughs> and then of course you find some hits, and they say, "Aha, yes. If you're building to the simulator, delete the simulator. You delete the app from the simulator. You may even, for good measure, want to restart the simulator." Uh, and then I did that and magically shit started working. And then I just went to town. I was having so much fun dragging and dropping everywhere and in the process. And, and, and it was great. And so not only did I get this, this, this exploration working, but precisely because I could do something a lot faster, it revealed some, some, some things. Again, I can't really quite talk about it, but it revealed some, some behavior in your app, in, in, in my app, uh, 
that was wildly easy to see when you could, you know, do this very, very quickly. So I found it very, very helpful. And that made me happy. So I'm going to pause here for a second while I drink some more cappuccino and you, and we can continue the conversation. You can say, no, this is boring. I'm, I'm with Barky. No, care. no, no. I think, uh, I mean, Barky, is, it's food time, so it's, uh, he's a little bit early today. So he he's has absolutely no interest in what you're saying at all, John. He, you, <laughs> if you think his barking is to, um, so, you know, is to make reveal, comment on what you're saying, you, you Barky feel you're... Barky the listener. Yeah, you feel that you're far too important in, in, in your life and you don't even register on his interest scale. Um, so uh, I don't think we should take Barky is our uh, indication whether we should continue um no i know i think it's uh, it's it's interesting and again you know i don't mind you know if you have more to say on it let's keep going yeah well so on on that point then some other fine points in, in the apis they basically remind you that these things have to happen very very quickly um because imagine you're doing drag and drop. Obviously, that all happens on the main thread. So the very worst thing that you could do, and, and, and Apple kind of protects you from yourself, is to wait too long to make the decision about can you do the processing. Um, because basically what happens is you get the chance to be able to say, do you care? And if so, then you can do some things. Now, there are lots of things you might care about. Like, for instance, from the drag source, if you do nothing, the what the what Apple is going to do for you, and it's very kind, um, they will then basically make a screenshot of your collection view cell, if that's where you're dragging from, or 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 of just a plain view. And oftentimes that, that can be what you want, but not always, because, for instance, views may represent items. I mean, think about the Netflix app. You know, we have artwork that represents a movie or a TV show, and then on top of that we have all sorts of things like buttons and labels and so on and so forth. So if you're really representing the title, you probably don't want a snapshot of the view. So in that particular case, you have the option to basically, you know, supply an image um, as the the drag, you know, the the drag source image, and that can be very helpful. Now, of course, you can't just go spin up and then composite something and, and wait because it's going to take forever. You can't. So it only really works if you have something that you can return right away. But again, one thing that you can do is since the drag is happening in a view hierarchy, you could go up the view chain, you know, the the, the parent hierarchy, and and if you know if it's it's done in such a way that that your view knows exactly where to find, for instance, an image view that's somewhere in the view hierarchy, and you can say, hey, if I got an image, supply it, and then that would be instantaneous because it's already there. Now, where it gets to be a, the rubber meets the road, it depends on on what view is being invoked, you know, getting involved here, because I think for performance reasons, it kind of intuitively makes sense that you want to try and do this thing at the topmost view you 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 can, so that you can handle drag options, you know, drag operations in a in a collection view. But then, what you want to do is you basically drop in and, and basically figure out the index path of that uh, of the collection view, and then from the index path, you can go to your data source. Uh, or your delegate, and then basically figure out kind of what view or to get some data that's needed from it. So that that you kind of have to implement, or you have to think about it carefully yourself. And we spent a lot of time, you know, over the last couple of, of, of years really trying to have consistent um, uh, paved path implementations of our collection views and, and the, 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 the view modules that are used in them. So that, that it was very easy to do because of that. Um, 
And, but that's something you have to think about. But so, you know, when you basically supplying, you know, providing something, some data and representation of your drag source, you know, hint to the hint to the, the helpful hint here is that make sure that you think about that in advance and think it, it, it's almost like being like you get your chance to be on stage, but for a very, you know, short amount of times like, hey, you want to go on perform? Sure. And then if, if you go on and perform, you got to go out there. It's like going out. It's like you got, you know, a, a 16 millisecond, you know, guitar solo. Go, go rage with it. And if, if, if you hesitate and you hitch, then, you know, people boo and your whole thing. Nobody wants to do it over again. I mean, I honestly do think about kind of asynchronous UI programming like that. You get your chance for a little bit of limelight. Um, and then when it comes time to, to, to dropping, it, it's the same thing. Basically, you're passed off these drag items and these drag items are very lightweight representation of what that's in there. And usually to do the thing that you need to do, you may need to fetch some data. You may need to do something else. And that's fine. As far as the drag sources is concerned, they've already passed off. They can return control. You're not really in an event loop for, for, for anything like that. You're not blocking the main thread. You can nothing to prevent you from putting up a spinner if you need to. Nothing to prevent you from doing some animation on the drop destination to make it clear what's going on. I mean, the default implementation, for instance, you drag something over, uh, you'll either get a plus icon in the top right-hand corner or maybe a, a move icon, but you can do whatever you want. Um, and so all those things are really nice, but giving a nice visual cue of what's happening. And the, the last thing I'll say about this drag and drop stuff is like once you implement it in your app, then of course you start looking to see what other other apps have done. And then you realize there's this kind of whole secret thing. Like for instance, you may receive images um, in messages, and I do it all the time. And I remember that I completely discovered it just, I don't know why, but I was dragging on the image. I guess I wanted to take that image and I wanted to save it. I wanted to do something. But at some point, a couple of releases ago, Apple added some features that existed in the Keynote app for the longest time of like removing the background. So if you'd long press on an image in lots of different places, you can do things like get just you know, what, what it believes is the most reasonable thing you're trying to get. So if you tap on an area of a picture of your dog and your dog is in a picnic or something, it will actually, you know, cut a mask around just your dog and then you have that. And then you think, man, this is great. But then on an iPhone, it's like, where am I going to put it? <laughs> and that's where you kind of then hold on to it. So you hold on to the drag and then you use another hand to kind of, you know, swipe up the, from the bottom to kind of put your app in the background or put that app where you're dragging from the background, then drop it somewhere else. And sometimes I may just drop it onto um, messages. And, and again, you know, what's interesting is like, if you drop it onto the messages app icon in the springboard, it will launch the app for you if it's not already launched. And then, then it presents. And then you'll notice that if you, if it's, you hold on to it and you can drag it up and down, you know, a list of messages until you, for instance, want to send it to yourself. And I know this is a stupid trick. It's a type of thing that, you know, very, very few people, relatively speaking, would do that. But for the people who do do it, it's really delightful. And I think that's, I'll tie it up with this. You know, implementing drag and drop in your app on iOS, especially for a phone app, it can, can make something really delightful. But it's something that you have to kind of uh, uh, reconcile your, yourself with the fact that very, very few people will use it. But those who do, if it can be a really delightful experience, they may say, hey, man, I discovered this great thing. And then they go out and talk about it on social medias. And then, uh, then you may find that the usage of this feature goes up. But if it doesn't, you know, you have to be okay with that. And also, if you find some other kind of helpful internal developer reason for doing it, then, you know, 
that can be helpful as well. So I'm going to shut up now for on the topic of drag and drop. Well, I think people will feel well educated on it. It's I have to say I've, it's not something I've ever even had to look at in iOS. So that was interesting to uh, to know about. I mean, do it in Mac all the time and. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's. I think to say it's easy is unfair, but it's. <laughs> it could be a lot harder, shall we say? <laughs> it is. So, well, uh, yeah. it's, it's. Yeah. So it's good, good stuff. Let me say one last thing. Sorry, because I, I was reminded of it because you know I've been receiving emails as all Apple developers are. You know, Apple's been going around and making all these these. Um, you know, events available in different cities across the world about kind of polishing your app and thinking about vision OS and so on and so forth. And here's the last thing to do it. We've talked at various points about how um, Apple kind of guides you into future experiences at the API level. And so, you know, this drag and drop support and this idea of continuity, doing something, starting in one application, switching to another, and that, 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 activity could be on a completely different device and therefore use the the iCloud infrastructure you know you knows how you can copy and paste for example from your Mac and then paste it onto your phone i use it all the time it's incredibly helpful and apple does all this stuff to make it possible you know you don't have to worry about it and it's great but that's apple basically saying you can do these things well before you know any of the different uh, activities that you can imagine are, are possible because only a small number of people at Apple know that they're working on, you know, some future project. Um, but the ability to drag out a, a URL that represents an item in your application, just put it on the pasteboard or drag it somewhere. You can imagine in a vision computing future, uh, you could do all sorts of interesting things with it. So I'll, I'll, I'll leave with that. Um, and now we can go to something else. Yeah, I think, yeah, the whole, well, the, the, everything, the Vision Pro paradigm, if it takes off, is going to change what we consider, you know, um, the way of doing things on, on sort of from a visual aspect, probably quite a lot, probably more than we first realized. But if you, but if you stop and think through applications, the same way that moving from uh, a mouse to touch driven changed a whole bunch of things, I think the whole, it's in front of you moving your arms around a bit more is going to change things mm. maybe in a more subtle ways than it was going straight from mouse to touch but you know i think yeah there's going to be a whole bunch of stuff which will then possibly feed back into the other um uh, into the other platforms as well in the way we do things so it's going to be an interesting time for what become ui norms um it's sometimes that works well sometimes it doesn't uh you know, I was just reading an article today, I can't remember who wrote it, so I do apologize about how it's quite annoying that the majority of websites are now designed for mobile first, and mm. they don't necessarily cope with the desktop well, because, you know, if 90% of the people visiting your website are given on a mobile device, you know, do you really want to put the effort in to make it look better or work better on a desktop? device i i get it it's economics it's time it's all the rest of it you know and i think just you know we're seeing it on the mac as well that you know a lot of mac apps are actually just you know ios apps that are compiled for the mac um or their catalyst i'm not quite sure to be honest where catalyst is 
currently sitting in the Apple timeline and plan. Um, I would say there are quite a few Catalyst apps out there, but definitely not enough that I can see Apple pushing us for a long time. Uh, you have multi-platform Swift UI. Um, yeah, I wouldn't want to be developing a full app in Swift on the Mac, I have to be honest. Uh, uh, yeah, so yeah, the, the different paradigm, platform paradigms, it, it, crossing over is interesting, but, yeah, we're in a bit of a working out where things are going at the moment. So, and I th- so I think from a Mac software point of view, the Mac is in a... Um, sort of we've tangented off onto this the mac is in a a difficult place right now because putting the work into developing a fully fledged native mac app is a lot of work to support all of the things of the mac whereas taking your ios app and making it work on the mac may be seen as less work so that's interesting but 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 to now be positive but since we've last spoken there was an event which released the new mac yes. and the new uh, the new imac and the um, new macbook pro and it sort of almost slipped by without anybody really noticing, which is, you know, because it was an incremental update. It was M3 chips and, you know, some other changes and whatever else. And, you know, and I think, you know, the Mac is in a brilliant place as a piece of hardware right now. Um, I mean, I use a MacBook Pro M, uh, it's an M1 Pro. It's just coming up to two years old. Um, it was a decent spec machine. It's like a three thousand pound, you know, four thousand dollar machine, and you know, as I should be when I spend that much money on a on a device and machine, you know, two years in, I am still perfectly content and perfectly happy with this machine. Um, you know, the reality has been since maybe the you know, the last time that happened was maybe with the the two thousand and fifteen macbook pro and anything after that was um uh uh anything after that was you know we people were very dissatisfied they had the butterfly keyboard we had all the, that, that sort of stuff going on and people weren't happy with it so firstly we should say to apple well then people are happy again with their their max but the nice thing is as well i think you know pretty much between 2015 2020 the mac didn't really move on much at all other than maybe in bad ways with keyboards and whatever else whereas now i'm sat here thinking that you know come next year when my machine's three years old or maybe when it's four years old you know i'm gonna be able to take another machine that is a definite upgrade because the m3 pro will definitely be an upgrade on the m1 pro um and maybe it's gonna be the m4 pro by then so i think the whole point is the embarkies now agreeing with me um the whole point is <laughs> he is interested in what i have to say because i won't feed him if he's not um the whole point is is you know the mac is exactly where it should be as a point is i do not feel desperately the need to move on because the machine i bought two years ago is still a perfectly good uh, you know solid machine i'm happy with however when i do move on i'm going to feel i'm going to be getting something new for my money um it's going to be an upgrade and it's moving forward and i think that is a nice healthy place for mac hardware to be indeed so you didn't buy one is what you're saying john i would buy the black one just for the sake of it because i think it looks really sexy yeah (laughs) um uh and if i was just made of money i would have ordered a black one now uh, and just do it just 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 because it looks really nice um and, and i hope they introduce more colors over time to the MacBook pro and, and they become you know it, it becomes a thing because it is it is it does look lovely but from that point of view you know 
for my use of it, yeah, I'm going to put the M1 Pro. I don't even have the M1 Max. The M1 Pro is, you know, a great development machine still. Um, uh, it's, it's, yeah, I'm sure the M2 and the M3 are faster, but I mean, it's, I don't sit here every day thinking my, my machine is slow. And, you know, I, I mainly use my machine on a 32 inch monitor on my desk, which is, um, which is nice. But when I do use it as a laptop, which is maybe two or three times a week, you know, the the screen on the on the MacBook Pro is fantastic. It is possibly the best screen I have ever seen in my life. It is it is amazing. Um, mm. Yeah, and so I'm not saying I think you know I could get a better screen or whatever else. And I'm sure I didn't even look at the screen improvements on the new Mac Pro. I'm sure they're saying it's a bit brighter or it's a bit this or it's a bit whatever else. But it's not like I'm saying I thinking I'm looking at a pile of crap. Um, yeah. So anyway, there we are. That's uh, just just a little aside there. I think yeah, well done Apple. Uh, the Mac I think is in a good place right now. Um, you yeah. Mac OS maybe not quite as good, um, but it, again it's still not it's not horrendous. So uh, yeah, there there we go. So do you do you want to just maybe go back to a bit more development stuff? Um, at the moment, uh, one of the things I'm working on is is doing banking. Uh, a, a new banking integration for Moneywell that will hopefully release you know, sometime in early 2024. Um, and whereas in the US, we've spoken about this before, you you, know, you still have to use uh, technology called Direct Connect to connect to banks, and mm-hmm. every bank runs its own server, and it's it's horrendous and horrible, and yeah, it, it's it's being closed down slowly. You know, you now have to go through central banking services uh, that the, all the banks are signing up to. It means they. They they don't have to worry about it. You know, we as developers worry about it less. And so I'll be basically putting that together. Uh, and that involves basically having to uh, go out into um, the other person's service in order to get users to sign up into their bank, and then you get given back tokens. And I'm not even going to go into that stuff. It's, you know, it's, it's the normal do some OAuth, do whatever else, get tokens back. Now I can talk to the banking service. The banking service sends me what I need. It goes into the app. All that sort of stuff. Um, now the reason I'm bringing this up is this: this week we're looking at a, uh, you know, how we do that. Now it's it's best to be do that through a web interface. So Moneywell is going to just like go out into, um, uh, because everything's designed to really work that way. It just works better that way. Did look at initially doing it inside a web view within um, uh, the app, but because of OAuth callback and all sorts of things, it is. It just made more sense to go out to the browser. And, you know, we have to have our own back-end app to then work in this thing that talks to our database. And so I've mainly done this initially in Node.js because uh, it's, it's not a massively complicated um, uh, application in any way at all. Uh, you know, it, it's, it's a few endpoints and whatever else. And I have done some Node.js before. But I, I have been sit, sitting there thinking, you know, yeah, for the for most of the week, yeah, yeah. As much as I'm making this work, I'm not a JavaScript backend developer, and you know, this I'm 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 not feeling massively unsafe about this, but it's you know I am working in a strange strange environment. Um, you know, the debugging for me is not as slick, and I'm not saying it's not slick because JavaScript debugging may not be slick. It's more the you know. I'm not used to JavaScript debugging and all the rest of it, and the tool sets are different. And so I did this week at one point have a bit of a um, a, a, a moment saying, well, you know, 
why don't I just look at doing this in server side Swift? Yeah. Mm. Um, yeah, because then, yeah, I can do this next code. I can write Swift code. I can do whatever else. And, um, yeah, and so that maybe made me do think, well, when you do to Node, you, you know, you need to do it Node.js, you tend to use Express. You know, there's a standard set of libraries that you're using and all the documentation tend to work that way, all the tutorials push you that way. And so if you do that in uh, server-side Swift, most things point you towards a framework that's been around for a while now called Vapor. And... Um, yeah, one vapor of the things is, yeah, it's called Vapor, and um, yeah, Vapor's been around now about as long as server-side Swift has been around. Um, vaporware has been around in the industry since yeah, <laughs> since that way, and it's like most libraries that are now whatever many years old. It's got pretty big, and yes, even though it's quite well segmented, you know, there's lots and lots in it, and it's like, okay, here's this huge library um, uh, that, you know, does all these amazing things if you're trying to develop full-scale web apps, just like Express and Node does in there, but I just look trying to do a couple of endpoints, and then so I then started looking at another library um, that's been around a little while that's called Hummingbird, um, and it's far lighter, it's far smaller, again, but used by far less people and you know we're talking hundreds of people it seems like from the github thing rather than you know hundreds of thousands of people so you know it is simple there's not much code to it i could maintain it myself if i need to but as i was just like i was spending a day on this stuff and i was playing with it and don't worry else and then it just almost got to the point of me saying well i guess i can make this run in xcode it is good but i just then started feeling this whole hmm I've not really heard about masses of people running things in server-side Swift anymore. You know, is this really a stable thing for the future? You know, what's the deployment options like? And I know with Docker, Docker makes everything a lot easier um, than, than it used to be for deployment. But it's like, and then so after about, you know, you know a, a day of doing this, I said, as much as, you know, I like the idea of being able to do stuff in my tool set and, you know, be able to debug in, in that type of way. I'm not quite sure I feel confident about running an application in server-side Swift, whereas I know most of the internet, or not most of it, a good percentage of the internet is running off Node.js or, you know, something like Django it. Or, or, or PHP and Laravel, you know, these are well-known things. Everyone knows about them and deploy them. And even though I know little about them, maybe that seems a more stable option. And so here I was finding all these things that were working for me from a developer point of view and then feeling nervous about putting it out because I just haven't seen, and it just made me think, I haven't thought about it as far as server-side Swift just does not seem to have got a grip and maybe the way I thought it would. Um, or maybe I just don't know how to look in the right places and actually there is a massive server-side Swift community out there doing loads of stuff, loads of deployments, and I just didn't find it. But there I wonder That's my, if... my one-day adventure into server-side Swift again. <laughs> I'm actually, I mean, like, I'm super interested in this to, to see how it unfolds because I completely understand the inclination to be able to say my, you know, my day gig, my, my center of attention is doing, you know, UI apps in Xcode, but... UI apps need data from somewhere, and and you know if if 
if you have no choice about how to get that data because it's from somewhere else that there's a paved path, then, yeah, you have to go ahead and use it. But if it's for a service that you have to, to bring up, um, that's an interesting decision point about, you know, which is the better option. Do something where where if you have to do the work, it's as familiar as possible to you and stays within the kind of bounds of, of your workflow, or do you kind of spend the time of, of either learning yourself something else or going and hiring something else? So, I mean, it's, there's an interesting kind of business management aspect to it as well I just, that I well remember way back in the, in the memory miner days. So I want to keep, I, I, for, for my own sake, I'm kind of curious to, to see how you how it, how it unfolds, and I would invite uh, if there are any fractional listeners out there, you know, Georg or anyone else that... Uh, that may have done any, you know, dipped their toe into the world of server-side Swift, it would be interesting to, to make yourself known. Yep, if you're out there using server-side Swift and you just want to call me a complete idiot or tell me I was looking at the wrong frameworks or here's <laughs> where I should be to find all the, you know, it's like, oh, I've walked down this street and there's no one down there, but then I realize if I just take one turn to the right, there's this, you know, massive party community going on <laughs> in there. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, um, I would be interested to people to push me towards resources or just better information on on server-side Swift. And, and to be honest, when Swift was first launched, you it was spoken about a lot by by Apple. Um, mm. And I know Swift is, you know, it, it, it is more, it's, it's like a, it runs differently to the rest of the way Apple runs and that. But um, it's not pushed much anymore either. Or I can't remember it being pushed much anymore. So, yeah, it would just be interesting to find out what's um, what's going on. Cool. Well, Scotty, if people want to give you a push in the right direction, either into oncoming traffic or to find this Swift server-side Swift party, where might they do that? You know, I'm, I'm pre- I hope I'm not prematurely bringing this to an end. But if I'm not, you could answer the question. Yeah, well, people can send me the server-side Swift party. But maybe it's, John, the server-side Swift community don't want me to be part of it. And therefore, mm. that's why I've never received the invitation. But if someone out there wants to sneak me one or let me know, then you can do that on Mastodon, where I am Scotty at developer.social. And John, if people want to drag you and drop you into somewhere more appropriate, <laughs> where should they do that? Oh, Scotty. <laughs> well, they can find me on Mastodon, where I'm Jembe, D-J-E-M-B-E, like the West African drum at mastodon.social. Ah. Uh. Don't well, drop me into traffic. I, I'm just getting into the swing of things again. So whoever wants to drag and drop me, drag and drop me somewhere nice. I can only hope. I, I'm not even going to say anything. No. Well, John, I'm going to say I'm going to say it's it's lovely to have spoken to you again after a few weeks. After you've abandoned me, I mean, you abandoned me to travel the world, then you abandoned me because apparently your job is more important. So mm-hmm. I look forward to finding out what you abandoned me for next. <laughs> As we go forward, what lame excuse you can come up with to not speak to me for a couple of weeks again. But it Mm. is nice to have spoken to you this time, John. We've gone a little bit long because, you know, it's been a little while. So whoever whoever got the uh, listener slot today, wow, you really didn't do very well, did you? Because you've had to do a lot. But I am going to thank you for listening. And until next time. You take care while crossing the street to avoid the the swift server-side swift braid or drag and drop of John uh, on your head.
useless ending ever in all our hundreds of shows but never all right, mind just John. End this shit. goodbye we will go we will just leave it at that